recently about the lavish lifestyles of the rich and famous. And some of the things that they spend their money on can seem pretty out there. There were the gold-plated bathtubs, a marble bathtub cast in the shape of one celebrity's body. Uh, there were the, the gold-plated sink and toilets added to an already swanky $100 million private jet. And then there was the daughter of one eccentric CEO who spent a million and a half dollars on a crystal-studded bathtub. But, she said, I spent a lot of time in the bath, so it's totally worth it. <laughs> but my favorite, I think, is Johnny Depp, the celebrity uh, whose fortune recently made headlines. He owns 14 homes around the world, 45 luxury cars, 70 classic guitars, and he has a $30,000 per month budget for his wife that he drinks, not collects, $30,000 a month on that. Now, I don't have anything against these celebrities or their fancy bathtubs, but I do kind of wonder what makes a person think that taking a bath in a crystal-studded bathtub gets them any cleaner. <laughs> Or that owning 14 homes and 45 luxury cars is better than one, or two, or three, or four. I mean, what is the tipping point? Is it five luxury cars? Ten luxury cars? Now, I know that some of you even own a couple of houses. I know that people often live here and travel elsewhere in their second homes and vice versa. And I even know a few of you that have a real thing for cars. But 45 luxury cars? I think about that. You only get to be able to drive each one eight days a year. If you even drove them at all, they might just be to look at. Now, I'm not picking on people who have a lot of cars and a lot of homes. It's just a question. How much is enough before we stop appreciating what we have? We're all each one of us about to enter into that season of excess with Christmas just around the corner. And by the way, one recent study of American households shows that American children on average have 71 toys each. So you might think about that as you're not looking for the perfect gift for your kid this Christmas. And only you, of course, can decide how many toys is enough, and I am certainly not one to judge. We have plenty of toys in our house, and our kids are all in their 20s. But here's some good news, parents. It turns out that giving your kids fewer gifts at Christmas will actually make them happier. In fact, those burgeoning closets and toy rooms that some of you have have a name. It's called the Too Many Toys Syndrome. It's an actual thing. And experts have identified that our propensity to keep buying more and more starts at a very young age and it is very likely not good for us. Researchers say that too many toys can cause us to devalue what we do have, and then we tend to believe that everything is replaceable. But it's not just our toys and our material possessions that we seem to accumulate and then abandon. It's experiences, jobs, relationships. We accumulate fun. We fear boredom because we have a fear of missing out. 
and we equate rest with laziness. You see, we complain about our crazy, busy lives, but it's really just a boast disguised as a complaint because we are addicted to busyness. 60% of Americans didn't even take vacation last year because they said they were afraid that there would be too much work to do when they came back. Or the second reason that I love this one was that if they went away, their coworkers wouldn't do the job right. And then, of course, there's the flip side of too much work, and that's too much fun. Young people, especially who have the time and the ability to travel, do so way more than their parents or grandparents did. Their passports are stamped with exotic places, and they've hiked and biked and surfed in some of the most beautiful spots on Earth. They collect experiences like some of our relatives used to collect antique Depression-era glassware. Their exploits are given names like wanderlust or adventure, exploration, and they all certainly sound like worthwhile, even spiritual pursuits. But in the end, this plethora of choices that confront them, that confront all of us, with a pretty unique set of challenges. We have so many choices in today's world. I've heard it said that we are possibility obsessed. And it's kind of making us sick. The quest for more and more stuff, more and more experiences, more and more options is making our society anxious and isolated and lonely and depressed. Because if I want more, 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 then it's highly likely that Eventually, nothing is going to truly satisfy me. Everything gets devalued. Everything becomes replaceable. So on this weekend, before we gather with friends and family to celebrate our enormous blessings, on this weekend before Black Friday, this week before Advent, where we wait for the birth of Christ by turning our attention to shopping, I propose that we adopt a theology of thanksgiving. I believe that understanding the long-term positive effects of gratitude and practicing it is the antidote to the devaluation of things and to the unhealthy focus on more, 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 which actually makes us feel empty, empty. Now, countless studies have been done to suggest that gratitude makes a big difference in our overall health and well-being. In one of the best, most recent studies on gratitude, researchers asked three different groups of people to write down a few sentences about three different topics. So the first group wrote about things that they were grateful for that had occurred during the week. The second group wrote about daily irritations and things that upset them. The third group wrote about events in their week with no particular attention to whether they were positive or negative. After 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic, felt better about their lives, and surprisingly, they exercised more, went to the doctor less than those who focused on just their aggravation. They found that the health benefits of gratitude are Remarkable. People who regularly practice gratitude by taking the time to notice 
and reflect on the things that they're thankful for, experience more positive emotions, they feel more alive, they sleep better, who couldn't use that, <coughs> they express more kindness and compassion toward other people, they have lower blood pressure, and they have stronger immune systems. Inversely, ingratitude seems to cause envy, resentment, greed, Bitterness. Some schools even use a gratitude curriculum with their kids, and they've found that those kids show an increase in grateful thinking, appreciation of positive emotions compared to their classmates who weren't in the class. And what's most surprising is that those long-term effects were experienced five months after the program. Families who regularly show appreciation for one another have stronger bonds and relational skills with each other. And gratitude is even good for your love life. Studies show that couples who offer gratitude to each other are more responsive to each other's needs and are overall more satisfied in their relationship. And again, these long-term effects were noticed six to nine months after the gratitude and appreciation so gratitude is good for us. And I don't think any of that surprises God. It's almost like God knew what would be good for us humans. The Bible is filled with exhortations to us to be grateful. Here are just a few. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, and will sing thy name. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God for him. In all things, give thanks. These are just a few of the hundreds and hundreds of scripture readings in our Bible that use the word thankfulness or gratitude or thanksgiving. It's literally used hundreds of times. And God's commands in the scripture that we heard this morning to the Israelites include instructions on how to be grateful. Keep in mind that the scripture we heard this morning was written nearly 3,000 years ago and was most likely part of an oral tradition long before that. And so the expectation that people would show gratitude to God dates back as far as civilization itself. I want to walk you through this scripture just a little bit this morning. God starts out by saying to the Israelites, when you come into the land that I have given you, bring an offering of your first fruits. Notice God doesn't say, wait and bring me an offering when you've made your first million shekels. No. He says, as soon as you come into the land that I am giving you and you possess it and you settle it, you shall take the first fruits and bring it to God. Don't wait until you think you have enough or you might wait forever. Come to me first, God says. Then God says, acknowledge me. 
Acknowledge that God has brought you to this place, this very moment in time. And then God says, recite the history of my people. Why would God say that? Because God knows that we need the reminder that God is always with us. God's goodness and mercy and love is part of the history of God's people. Over and over again, we can read about God's grace and mercy. We see it. We hear about it. It's pouring out on the widows, on the orphans, on the women, on the underserved, on the undignified, and the least of these. So acknowledge God is with you. Trust that. And offer God thanks for the guidance and the love in your life. The writer Anne Boskamp puts this so beautifully. She says, trust is a bridge built from yesterday to tomorrow that is built with the planks of thanksgiving. Trust is a bridge built from yesterday to tomorrow built with the planks of thanksgiving. So God says, bring me your first fruits of your labor. Acknowledge me as your God. Call to mind all I have done for my people, including you. And then finally, God says, then I want you to celebrate. He says, bring all the people together and celebrate what God has done for you. Now, I want you to notice this morning that this is a template for our worship. This should feel very familiar to you in just a few minutes as we celebrate communion and we sing the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We acknowledge as we bring forth the offering that we love God and we praise God. We'll recite briefly the history, especially the night that Jesus died, when he shared a meal with his friends, how he suffered, died, was buried, and how he rose again. And then together we'll celebrate the Eucharist. And Eucharist, for those who might not know, is a Greek word for Thanksgiving. Eucharist Every time we celebrate communion, we are literally giving thanks to God. And not only do we practice this in our weekly worship, but I would suggest that God wants us to practice this kind of gratitude every day. Offer your first fruits. Acknowledge God as Lord and Savior. Recall all that God has done for you and Now, a word about those first fruits. Most of us in today's world don't work the land the way our parents and grandparents did, and certainly not the way they did in ancient times. In fact, just a little over 1% of people currently work in agriculture or farming or ranching in the United States. I can tell you that in all my time in churches over my lifetime, I have never seen anyone bring an actual grain or harvest offering up to the altar during Sunday services. We have a tendency to think that our offering comes in monetary form, and it does. That's biblical, it's scriptural, it's, it's, it's certainly true that that's what we do. But this morning I'd like for us to also consider where else in our lives God is calling us to give our first fruits, not our last gasp, if you will. We've talked about prayer a lot over the last few weeks. We've talked about 
getting up early and giving thanks very first thing in the morning before anything else. Because if we don't, what happens? The day gets away from us. We forget. We fall into bed at the end of the night and we say, okay, God, here we go. I'm with you now. And then we fall. And it happens all to all of us. It sounds familiar, I know, because I've been there. I'm sure you have. It's certainly not my best often. In fact, our rushing around itself is a symptom of ingratitude, if you think about it. I need more. I need more. But the truth is that I need nothing more than what God is giving me in this very moment in time. How about at work? We have huge projects or assignments that we need to, to complete, but instead of offering them up to God first, we turn the project in and we say, okay, please, God, just make that turn out okay. It's out of my hands. Please just do something like that. It's not always our best offer. We're celebrating Thanksgiving this week in the beautiful tradition of counting our blessings. And we do so by buying and preparing way more food than we can ever need, by eating way more food than we ever would need to eat. And in the process, we stress the earth. We add tons and tons of food waste to our landfills. We throw away more leftovers than some people will ever eat in a month. Not our best offering. In our relationships, in our parenting, in our tough discussions with people, so often we forget to offer it up to God. And instead we plead with God after the fact to please just make this right again. Not our best offering. But what if our first fruits looked a little something like this? God, I want you to be with me in this difficult conversation I'm about to have. Help me hold my tongue. Let your words be my words. Thank you for this opportunity to speak with love and to offer grace. Thank you for the gift of this person in my life. Thank you for the opportunity to be in relationship. Thank you for bringing me to this particular point in my life. Thank you for being present. See, it's in the thanking that we really acknowledge who God is in our lives and the power and the gift that we have been given how can we say we are gospel people? How can we say we are changed by the good news of Christ if we are not marked by an overwhelming gratitude? Right before he died on the cross, Jesus had a meal with his friends. He broke the bread. And what did he do? He gave thanks. In all things, give thanks. When we give thanks in all things, we strengthen our relationship to all things. God commanded the people to bring their first fruits of the earth, giving thanks for what the earth had given them at the harvest. The pilgrims and the Native Americans who celebrated that first Thanksgiving in America knew this. They gave thanks for all that the earth had provided, even in the face of horrible loss and despair. Without gratitude for the earth, we separate ourselves from the natural world. Without gratitude for people, we separate ourselves from them. Without gratitude for the everyday things we need, we separate ourselves from the everyday things. And it is a very isolating and lonely 
Gratitude is our way of engaging with the world around us in a positive way. Gratitude is a way of being. Years ago, I started a New Year's Eve tradition that I read somewhere. I didn't invent it on my own. But I would give each of our children a jar, a big mason jar, and throughout the year, we would write down some of the things that we were grateful for. In fact, we called it the jar of awesomeness. And so the kids and I and Tim would write down on little slips of paper every time something great happened throughout the year. It might be an A on the test, or getting to go to an amusement park, scoring a goal in a big game, spending a day with grandparents, seeing a great movie, anything that just struck you as like something to be grateful for in that day. And the following year, we would sit around the fire on New Year's Eve, and each person would go through their jar and share all the special events that had happened during the year, reflecting on all the awesome things that had happened. My son, Nick, recently told me that while he couldn't tell you what was on any of those slips of paper, what he remembers is the feeling of warmth and gratitude as we sat by the fire together, sharing all that had happened. In Romans chapter 1, Paul writes that although people have always been able to know God, hear that for just a second, people have always been able to know God. How? Because he's everywhere. In everything. So Paul says, although people have always been able to know God, they did not honor God or give thanks to God, but they became futile in their thinking and their minds were darkened. Acknowledge, honor, give thanks, celebrate. One of the best ways I know how to hone our hearts of gratitude is to write it down. Research agrees with me on this. We are more likely to achieve our goals and dreams simply by writing them down. And the same has been said of gratitude. It actually has to do with the brain functions. And in a nutshell, if you just think something, it happens on the right side of the brain, which is your imaginative side. But if you write it down, it happens in the left hemisphere as well, which is our logic-based center. And so the act of thinking something, imagining something, and then acting on it by writing it down is a way to harness some awesome power from the subconscious mind. So keeping a gratitude journal bolsters generosity and decreases materialism. So maybe instead of 45 luxury cars, you might knock it down to 35. And you could use the money that you save on the other 10 to do something incredible for people in need. Gratitude is not a panacea. It can't make injustice or loss or pain disappear. But what gratitude can do is give us hope. And I think that God, in God's infinite wisdom, knew that that is something his people desperately So this morning, as we turn our attention to prayer, I ask you to just reflect on those things this morning that you're grateful for. And if you're having a hard time coming up with something, just be grateful for this moment, this breath, this place that people, chairs, the upholstery, 
the sunlight streaming in. If you're having a hard time coming up with something to be grateful for, just know how grateful I am. <laughs>